On 11-16 SEM, the Four Diego's. Good everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's on 11-16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on a cool Wednesday night. Thanks for joining us. Nippy? And, yeah, so, it was nippy. Right, I'm glad you said nippy, but uh, thanks to Finey. Great show tonight and um, Warren Speak when you've spoken to and uh, thanks to Millie, of course, and uh, Jeff Poulter as well on another cracking hour before the Diego's and uh, finally we'll be back tomorrow from seven. So, uh, Warren, you're here. Welcome to the show. Yes, I'm here. I feel liberated. <laughs> I feel confident. I feel excited by many things we're going to talk about tonight, but one component of the show, which I'm sure you'll reveal in a minute. No, we're going a little bit, um, we're going with a different formation tonight because we... You know, uh, no, no, Carlos tonight, Vinny Venezuela. You're sitting in his chair. I mean, right I'm there. in the chair, the big man's chair. It's good. It's Jeez, exciting. I feel powerful, influential. You're the yes. Giannu of this team. <laughs> don't start, Warren. Don't start. See, I was being, I was being Carlos then. Hey, we've got a big show for you tonight. We, of course, we'll talk about uh, the Socceroos in Japan. Uh, and the three of us went to that game last night. Uh, Carlos is in another part of the world, so uh, he'll be back uh, next week. But um, we'll talk about that. We'll also. Um, Catch up with Mike McGrath a little bit later on as well to talk about everything in the UK. And Anthony Grimmer from uh, Football Federation Victoria is going to come on for about five minutes or so and talk about uh, the season and, and the year that they've had at, uh, at the local uh, federation. So looking forward to speaking with uh, Anthony a little bit later on as well. The hot topic tonight, Vinny Venezuela, what's that looking like? Well, in, in light of the, the Socceroos game last night, I'm sure that uh, listeners still need to vent and get, get stuff off their chest. So the, the hot topic is, uh, what did we learn from the Socceroos game? How are you feeling about the Socceroos game? What did we learn about the team? Give us your thoughts. Your thoughts are very important. Oh, there you go. 0433981116 or give us a call, 9429-1116. And it Tell is, us what you think. It is the first half from Hal Hotline. That's what we're nominating it. <laughs> well, Vinny, you and I were there together. We, we actually we were, sat... Uh, that's reasonably typical. Yeah, we didn't invite Warren. Of course, he was sitting somewhere else. I was. Um, but uh, that first half, that first half was uh, was hard to watch, yeah, if you're for an Australian supporter, of course. First of all, can I just qualify something? Before Warren goes off and, and, and you know, blames us, for, accuses us of being exclusive, he was the one who booked tickets for his people before uh, <laughs> before you and I uh, got to go to the game. That is, so that is true. Steady, yes. son, all right? Hey, and tonight's show is uh, proudly brought to you by uh, Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's in Epping. So thank you to our sponsors tonight. It's... Uh, Nine past eleven. Yes, uh, the Q and A tonight is all about uh, last night's game where the Socceroos took on Japan at the Eddie Had Stadium in front of forty-eight thousand uh, four hundred and sixty. It was a big crowd. You'd have didn't to say. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like no, that. Didn't feel like and it. Especially in the first. I felt a bit more like that in the second half, Warren. Of course, it was a one-all draw. Um, Haraguchi scored in the fifth minute, and uh, that silenced. The crowd, uh, Warren and Yednak scored in the 53rd minute with a penalty after Tommy Urich was uh, unceremoniously <laughs> bundled. <laughs> a lot of people thought that might not have been a pen, but Vinny. I was going to say it's Haraguchi. 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 
Padaguchi. Give us a call, 9429-1116, if you want to have a chat. Uh, why don't you make this your Q&A, like Bob in Baldwin. G'day, Bob. Welcome to the Four Diegos. Boys, long time. How but are we? It's been a while, mate. So you want to talk about yesterday's game. How do you th- what do you feel about it? I was reluctant to go, but for the national flag, we all have to make an appearance. Firstly, <laughs> uh, be lucky to be 38,500 there, so... Uh, they tried the old three-car tricks and somebody in and out to bump the crowd up. Anyway, that's, uh, that's a Frank Lowy issue there, played on a real stadium. Secondly, and most importantly, how soon do you think the youth of this country will be given a chance, considering we're relying on another 37-year-old to think he can win the game for us? It's over. So many young kids on that bench. Could have come on. Pace, we could have won it. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're probably right, Bob. I mean, I don't... I wouldn't say that we rely on Tim Cale anymore. He's an important component of the team and he's a difference player. And as long as he's playing, he'll provide a threat. But I think you're right. I mean, in Ange, we trust, so to speak. But if you looked at the lineup, if you had a team, to me, that didn't have Milligan, didn't have Cruz and didn't have Leckie starting, which is, I think, the youth that you're talking about, you'd probably say that you'd be a bit surprised. I don't think... There was any sense of Ange going defensive. He just wanted to to throw a different makeup at the Japanese. But to me, it was more about midfield combination last night. There's too much lateral. There wasn't enough go forward. There wasn't enough penetration between the lines, so to speak. And that a real, I mean, the way the game was played out with Japan scoring off our error early in the game really set it up to be the perfect way for Japan to play that game. I mean, I was a bit surprised that they don't have enough confidence in playing them in, in playing a bit of football themselves. Look, I was completely um, befuddled by the fact that uh, we didn't start with Leckie and Cruz, given that, uh, that like, we are known for our pace. But I, I, I wonder whether Ange thought that uh, was trying to sort of, uh, you know, outthink Japan and the Japan gaffer there by, by not giving him opportunities for for that pace and, and counter-attacking football, which didn't work in the end anyway, because we still... Uh, copped it on the counter as a result of some, some poor passing as well. But uh, look, I, I I feel that who he brought on in the second half are the people he should start with because that sets the temper. We had no temper to the performance and it, it was painful. Thanks for your call, Bob. Always good to get your, your thoughts on the game. You've, yeah. got, to say, you've got to say, though, um, if you're looking at it from a Japanese perspective, <laughs> their plan kind of worked, didn't it? They they got a goal early, and then they could control how they wanted to play. And it was wasn't it odd play, seeing Japan play like that. Yeah, it was, and I think um, if you looked at the teams player for player and where they're playing, you'd you'd say the Japanese would definitely be a better team on paper. But you know, they needed to probably be pragmatic in the way that they played this game, Rodrigo, because they, even though they'd come off a win in the previous game. They'd actually only scored in the 95th minute and they had been struggling to score goals. So they'd lost their first game of the qualification at home, had just got over the line in their second game at home, had won away, had come here with one game to go before the first round of qualifiers. So I think they probably came with a degree of pragmatism and saying, look, if we can get a point, we'd be the group so close that, you know, we fancy ourselves at home. But they could have played last... With the way that the Australians were in the first half, if Japan had shown a little bit more endeavour, there were more goals in the game for them, I think. Absolutely. And uh, I've got to say, I, 
Vinny and I, we, we just, at the start, didn't we? We just thought, what's going on? The crowd's really silent here. You know, obviously they took the crowd out of the game, but uh, getting some text messages here already from Dan saying, you know, it's okay to criticise the Socceroos, but the crowd was also to blame, not intimidating or inspiring enough for a home crowd. Yeah, we need a bit of tutoring from Chilean fans, I think, in general <laughs> terms, about how to um, sort of provide a certain amount of intimidation, wouldn't you think, Vinny? Well, uh, yes, the Chileans certainly have got it on. I say they are the, the chant kings and, and queens of, of world football. Yes. But look, yeah, you can blame the crowd a no, little bit, but at the end of the day, it's the boys on the pitch and <laughs> it's it's the tempo. The tempo wasn't there and it was very painful. I, I didn't like it at all. No, you didn't. I didn't either. Hey, Peter in Camberwell uh, has called on 94291116. Wants to talk about some of the positive aspects of last night. G'day, Peter, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm just a bit of an external punter. I wasn't at the game watching it on TV, but I've got to say, I, I really liked the second half of uh, how the Australians played. And, um, look, they, they could have capitulated with uh, what happened in that first half. And, um, yeah, they had a lot of pressure. They were on home turf. They're playing one of the, one of the top teams in the region, if not the world, and um, a lot of eyes on them. And I, I, I liked the aggressiveness that they, they showed in that second second half. And it sort of reminded me of, like, uh, their belief that they had in, um, you know, in, in South Africa against the, the Dutch and the, and the Chileans and all that type of thing back then. But I, I, I sort of see it very positively, actually. I think the, the next couple of years we're going to see some continued, like, huge belief in the team, in my view, as an external punter. Yeah, look, Pete, I think that's a fair comment. I, mo most people, most Socceroo fans would probably say we should have started that way and it shouldn't take 45 minutes of Dow football to, to spark you up because that can be quite costly. I said to Rodrigo, they'll come out pumping because Angel will will give them a serve or, or say something to them and, and hopefully you know change things up. So I think they needed a good second half just to retain people's faith in them. I would say from an Australian point of view, there's nothing to fear in playing Japan, home and away. Yes, they're, they're classy players. They may be a bit more technically gifted, but I think the components of the game that we bring, which is a, an aggression, a physicality, uh, um, I think they're qualities that Japan struggle with. And as much as you've got to go to an intimidating place in Japan and play them away, based on what I saw last night and based on what Japan have been doing in these qualification games, there's nothing to fear from them anymore. Not at all. Not at all. Um, thanks for your call, Peter. Let's go to Jacko in Camberwell. G'day, Jacko. G'day, boys. Just a couple of things. Firstly, who was the defender that gave that poor pass that created the, the, that Japanese goal in the first half? Uh, Trent Sainsbury. Because that was seriously very ordinary. And <laughs> it was. It was seriously. Um, seriously, I, I could have passed better than that. <laughs> and I'm a 54-year-old hack, but... Were you, you warming up, You're still Jacko? Young. Were you You're warming still up? young, Jacko. Uh, no, no, listen. <laughs> I thought, I agree with the guys' comments just before. Uh, in the second half, we became more attacking. But at the same time, that was Japan um, pulling back, I felt, more. They allowed us to be able to um, push forward a little bit more. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually worried about our defence because I don't know if you guys remember, against Saudi Arabia, we gave up an early goal and then um, you know, we got back into the game. And the funny thing was, we were 2-1 up, and then all of a sudden they got a goal. And then, I'm not joking you, within one and a half minutes, they should have got a third goal, where they did a beautiful lob over the top, 
and the guy kicked it straight into the keeper. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Right against Saudi Arabia. And then also, again, against Japan, I felt that um, we got back into the game in the second half, as you said. And yet, as soon as Japan, they just seemed to show that little bit more class in some of their foot movements. And they went forward a couple of times late in that second half. Uh, and they should have scored. There was one, um, well, I'm not going to call it a soda because obviously he didn't get it. But I, I just, I'm just a little bit worried about when it comes to the real classy factor that our defence just might not be um, good enough. I just felt that we looked a bit slow in leg movement in reading the play uh, very quickly. And it's, it's you know, in the end, we're not the best soccer, player, uh, soccer team in the world anyway, as you know. But, um, you know, we're going all right. And we'll probably end up getting to the World Cup. But I don't know how much further we can go. Yeah, and I think we get some real class. I think um, Japan's strategy in terms of trying to score against Australia will always be trying to to get in behind our defence. I mean, I get a sense though that um, with Speranovic and Sainsbury, that I think at the moment Ange is going to go with those guys. They're young, they're reasonably athletic, and I know one mistake doesn't mean that you're not a ball, a, a good ball playing defender. But I think that he likes the fact that they can play balls, they can dribble a little bit. And look, let's face it, if you do make a pass in midfield, you very you get turned around pretty quickly. Japan gets behind you pretty quick. And that was the only way they were going to score. I like Sainsbury and I like Speranovic. And I think going forward, I mean, for me, take away the captain's armband with Mila Yednak. I think Mark Milligan's every bit as good a player. And in some ways... Milligan can be played in one of those two central defensive roles and he has done that job and for whatever reason he didn't yesterday and hasn't in recent games. So there's lots of mixing and matching. I I, I think speed, you know, um, Smith looks fantastic down the left-hand side and really led to the led to the goal. I don't know about McGowan as a an attacking fullback like I think Ange would play. I think... Rodrigo, you mentioned the likes of Alex Davidson and a few... Alan Davidson. No. (laughs) Jason. Jason, sorry, Davidson. I think you mentioned him. And there are are lots of fullback options um, that are available. Well, someone like Gary who's got a... Look, I I think uh, the game plan seems to have been different from from my perspective. I think we wanted to play a little bit of sit-back football as well and... um, you know there are defensive lapses. They have they they cost us at the World Cup. They they can cost us games. I wasn't worried when we went down early because I knew that the Socceroos would come back. What worried me was the fact that after the goal we we were still sort of flat and and there wasn't much movement and it was side to side movement and there wasn't penetrating movement. I guess if I was, I'm going to be critical of, of of Ange in any way is I probably would have liked some changes to happen maybe either later in the first half to, to I don't know, to set the tone and tempo to, to retrieve that for us. But uh, I was glad that the, the first half whistle blew and, um, yeah, we, we got that behind us because we really needed to. Hey, we'll talk more about this game and uh, more of your calls uh, in a, in a, in after the next break. But uh, at uh, 21 past 11, now it's time for a special interview. Yes, um, obviously we're all talking about the uh, World Cup qualifier last night, but uh, you know some stuff is happening at Football Federation Victoria, and a man who uh, and a man who's running the commercial and the media side of uh, 
FFV is a man by the name of Anthony Grimmer, and he joins us now, the General Manager of Commercial and Media. Anthony Grimmer, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Always it's a, a pleasure. Mate, it's our pleasure. Rodrigo Rodriguez here. Uh, Warren Diego's here as well, and so is Vinny Venezuela. No Carlos for you tonight, Anthony, so you'll get, you'll get some nice gentle questions. Now, Anthony, look, I'm just going to, Vinny here, I'm just going to go, go hard just to start with. <laughs> um, my, my daughter's, Lily Venezuela's first game of Summer Sevens was on tonight, and Summer and Sevens sort of has connotations of warmth. What's the FFE <laughs> going to do about the weather, mate? I was cold out there. Yes, yes, yes. I, I told the guys that uh, when we were designing the logo, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it sort of gives you an impression that uh, if you come down to Darabin or you come down to the uh, pitch that uh, the sun will come out. But uh, unfortunately, we're in Melbourne, so it doesn't matter. Yes, it was hard work. Hey, Anthony, I know you went to the game last night. What, what, did, you, what did you make of uh, the game? And, uh, you know, were you surprised, um, you know, how, how, well, if you like, um, how Australia started? Well, I mean, I listened to Andrew's interview this morning and, and obviously he was as ropeable as uh, probably everybody uh, else was in the stand looking at the, the first half. But uh, they just looked like a different team. were quite flat in the first half. Japan, though, certainly uh, defended um, a lot differently than I've ever seen uh, them play, uh, especially against the Socceroos. So, um, look, I thought uh, taking, taking the, the on-field performance out of it, um, from what I look at from a commercial and marketing perspective, I was in the uh, the pub beforehand having dinner with with um, some other members of, of community and business that we had the lunch in that day. And for me, it was all about the amount of people there, all the kids having having fun with their with their parents, uh, with Tim Cahill jerseys on, and and uh, just really soaking up the atmosphere before the game. So, unfortunately for them, we didn't get a win. But uh, you know, a pointer is uh, is as good as a result that we needed. For, for how he played, I think. Absolutely. Hey, um, you mentioned community and business, and uh, yesterday the the final luncheon for the year of uh, community and business took place, and it was a it was a really fantastic occasion. And uh, you know the Diego's have been to to all four of them this year, and uh, you know, hey, on on behalf of you know the Diego's here, congratulations. I know that you um, you know were one of the driving forces of the initiative, and uh, you were recognised for that yesterday. So you must be really proud of the way community and business has been accepted by, you know, the football community in Victoria. I am, and I'm very, very humbled to, to have received the, that um, honour yesterday. But I think, you know, it, it just shows what we can do when we unite everybody, you know, even if it's for a lunch or a dinner, it doesn't matter. But when we get everybody under the same roof, um, great, you know, irrespective of uh, what our differences are or what, um, you know, what role we have to play in the game, um, great things happen, and uh, you know, fortunately, we've been really um, uh, grateful for the support that we've had from the community to, to run the um, community and business in its inaugural year. And for me, and for the organisation, it's more than just business. You know, it is uh, really strengthening our relationships with our stakeholders. We're the governing body. You know, as the government, uh, we're used to being uh, criticised for many things, and uh, and not really. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess acknowledge for all the good things that we do. So um, I feel this is a good way to, I really wanted to um, uh, strengthen that relationships with our stakeholders, you know, our clubs, um, their sponsors acknowledge the contribution they make to the game and the clubs because let's face it, without their financial contribution, some of the clubs um, will struggle. And uh, it's money certainly that... Um, you know, uh, we, we don't have to, to distribute to the 340 clubs um, that, we, that we govern. So it's really uh, important that we acknowledge that contribution they make over the years. So 
Um, the fact that we had the Socceroos legends in there yesterday and, and leveraging the, the game and we had FSA and David Gallup and, and those type of people there yesterday was uh, really a sight to behold and uh, it was a great, great atmosphere. And Anthony, as the game continues to go gangbusters in terms of participation at grassroots level, um, what do you see as the major challenges as the governing body in in the state of Victoria to continue to, to grow and develop the game? I mean, participation is one thing. I mean, I think the ads for the A-League suggest that, you know, we've got to grow participation into support. And what are the challenges that you have as an organisation as the overarching body for football in Victoria? Well, look, football has always been popular and it's been growing for some time and we know that uh, it's a very enjoyable game to play, a very safe game. So parents are, are going to continue to choose our sport, which is very fortunate for us. We need to, we can't be complacent in regards to our marketing, and, and especially in Victoria, in the, in the heartland of AFL. We, we really need to, to step up on that, especially from a national perspective. Um, but I think, you know, it's no surprise to anyone that, uh, you know, we're, we're bursting at the seams and we can't keep up with the demand. And, and I'm talking about that, that from a facilities level. So um, bringing it back to community business, for example, it's also about strengthening that relationships that we have with our local and state government. Um, so, you know, in order to, to really uh, look, at, look at ways where we're going to start catering for, for the growth of the game, how we're going to support um, our clubs with... Um, improving or, or um, expanding their, their current facilities. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do and it's not we can't do it on our own. So we really need to be united in, in this uh, front to ensure that we can really cater for the growth of the game in years to come because it's, uh, it's only going to get bigger and better. Anthony, Vinny Venezuela here. Is there anything in particular that uh, uh, punters and players can look forward to from the FFE in the next season? Any particular projects? Well, you have to watch this space, I guess. But um, you know, <laughs> come on, give us a scoop, son. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, you know I think as an organisation, you know, we we're, we're doing some major changes that are happening in terms of you know we're still looking for um, a CEO at the moment as well. So um, there's always going to be you know, and we're we're also about to embark on a new strategic plan cycle. So until until that gets confirmed, then um, you know, our focus is really going to be about catering catering for the growth of the game in terms of facilities and I guess uh, again on that pa- that pathway through to the stakeholder engagement and, and better strengthening that that um, aspect of things so until we get that right um, and then being able to just um, do what we do best and focusing on the football side of things which is the core business of running our competitions and making sure that football um, remains an enjoyable um, game to play. Hey, um, Anthony, just before we let you go, mate, and thanks for your time tonight, how good have the Victorian clubs been in embracing the FFA Cup? Oh, fantastic. It's been excellent uh, since its inception. I think, um, you know, Victorians are are very ambitious people. And I think, um, you know, especially our our former NSL clubs, if you like, you know, it's no secret that they've always wanted to um, go back at, you know, to the national scene. And I think there's no better way than for them to to really um, go through to the FFA Cup and, and show what, what, um, what, you know, what, what's, what's been happening from, from their end. Um, but you've got also clubs like Hume City who, who haven't been in the National League before. And, uh, you know, it's, they've been very competitive. And uh, to go... Um, and what they've done in the last two, two years and the two campaigns in the FFA Cup has been fantastic as well. So even clubs like Heidelberg and Green Gully, uh, the coaching has been fantastic from their end as well. 
Hey, um, Anthony, thanks for your time. We know with uh, uh, you know people like yourself and uh, your chairman, uh, Kim Montaliadoris, uh, football in Victoria is in very good hands. So thanks for your time tonight, and uh, we'll keep talking to you throughout, uh, throughout the year. Thanks for your support, Jamie. Not at all. There's Anthony Grimmer, the General Manager of Commercial and Media for Football Federation Victoria. Hey, let's take a break now. And as we go to the break, this uh, segment was brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. That's 1300 366 639. It's 1130. The Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. This has been a hot and sweaty but strangely arousing Pelé moment by the Four Diegos. On 11.16 SEN, the Four Diegos. And thanks for joining us on uh, Wednesday night. Really appreciate your company on uh, the night after uh, the Socceroos and uh, Japan drew one all, which means that uh, after Saudi Arabia defeated uh, United Arab Emirates 3-0, Saudi Arabia go to the top of Group B um, and Australia on eight points uh, in second position, Japan in third on seven and UAE uh, are in six. Forget the rest, Iraq and Thailand, although Iraq did win last night um so so there you go um very interesting stuff uh hey by the way um diego's flashbacks so now you can go to social media twitter and uh soundcloud forward slash for diego's diego's flashbacks are being uh, uh made available to you now these flashbacks uh with the one today was from 1996 when we interviewed uh mark bosnich and it was right around the time when he did the uh the Nazi salute. He talked about all that and more, and really opened up. And uh, so, make sure you uh, check out uh, Diego's flashbacks because we go back to 1996 when we interviewed Mark Bosnich and Warren. You feature quite prominently there. Did you host that? No, I actually remember that quite vividly. <laughs> that was um, it was uh, an interview that we did in sombreros. <laughs> in sombreros, did not. No, we did. We did. Well, we that did. was pre pre uh, Rodrigo. A, yeah, yeah, it was a bit pre you, but. <laughs> We did a couple with Bozza. One I did over the fence at a um, at Carlton as he was preparing for that ill-fated Socceroos game against you know who at the uh. MCG. But um, Carlos, I've been exchanging emails with Carlos about um, the Diego goes flashback. We'll have a best of Warren series oh, coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, Is that no. right? Yeah. The best of me. <laughs> It'll know. be silence because you wouldn't have turned the tape on, mate. So, no, look, if you want a bit of nostalgia, um, go back. Good uh, interview, that. Yeah, check out SoundCloud, yep. SoundCloud forward slash Four Diego's, one word, and uh, check out the 1996 interview that we did with uh, Mark Bosnich. Very interesting stuff, and we'll release uh, one of these uh, in the uh, you know every week. Uh, there'll, be a a, there'll be a sealed <laughs> sealed section, and there'll be a gold, gold stamp interviews. There'll be a whole lot of things. This segment, of course, is brought to you by Best On Plumbing, Victoria's trusted plumbing and drainage experts for over 26 years. Um, go to beston.net.au or call 1300-BEST-ON. Uh, check out Mario and the team, and uh, they'll look after you. They do uh, big projects and uh, small projects as well. Speaking of Best On, this is just my little segue. Can I just say, I thought Brad Smith was exceptional, and I thought I was so impressed by his tank uh, yesterday. And, and he did a run towards the end of the game and he just gave it everything. There was this burst of pace that I don't think I've seen 
in his soccer. I, I reckon he's quicker than Leckie. And he was just phenomenal. And, and obviously he set up uh, the goal and there was, I think, a, an opportun- another opportunity that came shortly after that. I, th- I thought he had a very good game for the Socceroos in particular. And, and I was going to say to you, Warren, I still can't believe that Liverpool dumped him because I just think this guy's going to be, be a legend if it keeps going the way it is for him. Yeah, he's still got a, he's still got a few sort of edges that he needs to round off his game. But look, in terms of pace and aggression and go forward, he's got all the, the qualities that you really want to see in in the way that we play, for sure. And I think he's really established himself. I'm not sure of Ryan McGowan on the other side. I think there's lots of opportunities. But, uh, yeah, he's good. He's a good... He's good. Yeah, speed. look, no, he, he definitely... I mean, he's got a great tank and, and, and uh, you know, but, but I think... You know, I think he's making he's making it very hard because uh, there's a few left backs that uh, that could be in in that in that uh, team. So he's uh, holding his place and he's doing it well. And as you said, Warren, I think you know the right backs probably part of the issue for uh, for Ange Postecoglou. Hey boys, let's talk about the A League now because uh, uh, we have got uh, well round one was done and dusted, of course. And uh, you know we talked about Melbourne victory and Brisbane roar on uh, on Friday night because we're on the air. soft underbelly. Yeah, yeah we did. We, we talk about, <laughs> so we won't talk about that. Well, we'll talk about your Melbourne City before yep. we talk about the Melbourne Derby, of course. But uh, what did you think about their victory against uh, Wellington? Because I think uh, on the panel, Warren and I said that they would win, and uh, Carlos and Vinny said that they wouldn't. So are you talking about Moylas City? Uh, I'm talking about Moylas City. Moylas, yeah, well, are you talking about Fornaroli FC? Fornaroli FC, so Moylas we... City, Melbourne City. So if we are continuing to talk in anatomical sort of terms... Anatomic? And, anatomical? Oh, yeah, well, what, I mean, body it's parts? not quite... An, yeah, body parts. All oh, right, okay. If we're talking in that, if Melbourne victories still have a soft underbelly... Oh, right. Okay. Yes, we may you. have seen Melbourne City grow a bit of a spine oh, in terms of you said the way they played <laughs> in adverse conditions. And look, to me, it was good to see him go away from home against what we will except was a weakened significantly Wellington. And I think Wellington will be a good side with everyone on the park, but if they get a few injuries, you can see what the problem is. Melbourne City could have three or four goals. As much as they were moyless, I think Luke, <laughs> Luke Bratton... Oh, you'd Luke be excited Bratton, about him, wouldn't you? He clearly decided to keep the long hair, but just try a different style than what he'd been doing in the FFA Cup. He was just a little bit grunge. I yeah, like that. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was excellent. I thought... Um, because uh, I don't, I don't like the hipster beards. Because uh, they're they're all preened. Like you know, Millet. I love Millet Yednak, but you know, the, the the big beard and the you know the, the short <laughs> hair too preened. Yeah, yeah. I like grunge. I like Kamau. He set up the first yes. goal, and that yep. Casiris run yep. from the middle of the park is what we've been looking for. Fornaroli was typical of himself. Fantastic with ball at feet. Didn't have as many what you'd say goal, you know, guilt edge goal scoring opportunities than what you probably would have expected. Um, I thought I thought Rose was really good in the fullback position, and you know what? I will say this: I thought when Manny Musket came on, he was really, really good in that last bit of the game as an experienced head. I think they've got good depth in their squad with Tim Cale to come back. Sorensen's obviously going to be a bit of a, a miss, although um, the goalkeeper who came on and I will remember Bazanis yeah. was very good. So it'll be interesting. Melbourne victory go into this derby game without Terissi, who has broken his collarbone, and Melbourne Vic- Melbourne City will won't have Sorensen. So John and Port Melbourne extremely lucky. Get your Melbourne City beanie off, Warren. Anyway, but uh, it's the jocks. Can, can I just say, you know, it's it's easy to look good when the opposition just doesn't turn up. I think uh, Wellington were just uh, mesmerised by the fact that their strips matched the seating. 
right? They were doing nothing. They didn't turn up, and I just don't think that's the the, the way. Like Melbourne victory, do you one think they point. They did that on purpose. Wore the I same colour. <laughs> I just think they realised. Oh my God, the the seats are yellow. Melbourne too. victory, one point. Melbourne City, three. So yeah, that's how it stands at the that's moment. That's how it stands. But you don't really look at the uh, the table. Until I do. Okay. It's I hard do. data. Well, you got to look at the data, so, don't you? I do. So let's talk about the derby before we go to a break. Melbourne victory on Saturday night. Uh, play host to Melbourne City. So what's, gonna, what are the, what's the crowd going to be? Look, I don't know. I think fifty. Um, I hope, well, I hope so. Given, what, how many, there were about over 60,000 at ANZ Stadium uh, to see Sydney thrash uh, Western Sydney Wanderers 4-0. Look, I'm, I'm hoping there'll be 40 plus, right? I think, I think let's, let's keep it, um, you keep know, the lid on it. doable. No, no, <laughs> let's keep it doable. I don't know what the pre-sales are yet, so. Uh, I'd say somewhere between 40 and 45. Has Super Tim got a, you know, a Harry Kuehl deal, with, you know, the, the percentage per seat? Did, didn't uh, Harry have that? And I wonder whether Super Tim's got... Because surely the the pulling power of Super Tim's going to add uh, 10,000 10, theatre goers. Well, I think, and I know Melbourne Victory fans are just about to jump over what I've said, but um, being Melbourne City members, I think we got an email today saying that they've ticked over... 12,000 or so members, and that's up significantly. And I think they're really apportioning most of that to Tim Cale. And look, look, Timmy just has a great sense of occasion. He didn't quite get it done last night, but you wouldn't be surprised that he scores, would you? You wouldn't be surprised that he finds a way to score. And I look, from an actually purely excitement level, Fauna Rowley and Cale, you've got you to think to yourself... That's going to be really exciting to see, and I'm really looking forward to the game on Saturday night. Yes, but the oh, minute uh, the minute Bruno doesn't put a few sort of easy balls to Super Tim, Super Tim's going to spit it, and you know the handbags will be out. Just in relation to his contract, Vinny, all I know is that his contract's got vision in it. <laughs> it's got plenty of vision, and uh, so no, looking very much. God, he sells forward. the game well though, doesn't he, he does. Rodrigo? He's, he's he's just, and, the, and the roar. You talk about flat. Yednak's penalty and Tim Cale coming on the field. It was just quite incredible, isn't it? How he's become that iconic figure of the game. And maybe, and maybe in some ways, has surpassed all the others from the golden generation. Can I just say, he is our very own uh, man who cans Lazio Brahimovic. If we needed to, to, to do a comparison, Timmy Cahill is to the Socceroos what uh, Lazio Brahimovic is to... Uh, any team he plays for, really. Just, <laughs> well, he, just the centre. You know, as far I mean, more power to him. You know, as, as much money as he makes, more power to him because he, he does a fantastic job. And, he, and you know, he, he's genuine, he, he, with, especially with kids. You know, he comes oh, yeah. across as really, really genuine. He does. Really, really. We're really lucky to have him in our city, I think. So, obviously, oh, hey, boys, I'll ask you who your tips are going to be for the big one a little bit later Why? on. But we need to go to a break. <laughs> I know, it's going to be victory in the city. Maybe I'll be the deciding vote for yes. a change. Can I sit on the fence? Let's well, take a break. Do. Let's take a break and come back with more of the Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport. How much do you feel the game? Do you feel it like Brazilian commentators do?
I love this game. This has been a tribute to Brazilian commentators everywhere. This is the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. And thanks to the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping, it starts in 2017 and open for enrolments right now. Uh, give them a call during business hours, of course, on 9409 That's the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping doing great things for uh, young elite football. Hey, let's go to the UK. No, let's go to Slovenia and catch up with Mike McGrath from The Sun. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, guys. I'm just uh, just at the airport in Ljubljana, so hopefully back in the UK in a few uh, uh, hours' time. Where is where is Slovenia, Mike? Oh, if you come can just, on. Geez. No, seriously, I mean, are you serious? I, seriously, I thought for a second they might have been playing in the Asian Confederation. They sounded <laughs> they sound very close to the Stan countries. Do, do you know Rodrigo. where Do you know where Europe is, Warren? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but whereabouts in, in Europe? It's near sort of uh, Italy. Oh, Mike, you tell us. You're there. Well, what I'd say is a few of us had um, a few of us had plane um, issues getting here. So um, I suppose you'd say go to Germany and then go south, uh, then go through Austria, um, north to south through Austria, and then you get to Slovenia. Okay, that's good. And am I fair to saying, by the sounds of the country, it's reasonably obscure, and England should have gone there and just taken the points comfortably, Mike? But they didn't. Oh, so yeah. tell us the story of the game. Okay, well, I mean, look, um, England played here in uh, not last year, not last season, season before in the summer. So, and it was only as a narrow 3 2 victory. So I don't think anybody thought it'd be easy, uh, but it really, it was a pretty, pretty poor night for England, really. And they were bailed out by Joe Hart. So the story of the game was. England withholding a lot of pressure, Joe Hart keeping the ball out of the net and having an excellent game um, and plenty to work on before uh, England face Scotland next month in, in what will be um, you know, a fantastic derby at Wembley. Mike, Vinny here, Southgate, does he deserve the full-time job? I know he's only uh, you know, interim, but uh, is he showing enough to, to be the new kid on the block? Because you, you guys need to be invested with new blood. You can't go back to your old ways. Um, deserve might not be the right word because um, because it was a it was a poor display, a poor second half against Malta. I mean, we should you know any team any team of any worth anything should be beating Malta more than two 0 It was a poor second half there, and last night there was very little in in the way of um, you know it didn't seem like there was much of a strategy. So. I'm not sure whether he actually does deserve the job, but having said that, he's the man um, who's in position now. He's young. He knows what the FA wants, so I wouldn't rule him out getting that job um, either. Now, Mike, some of the I'm I'm paraphrasing some of the things he said, but it seems to me that he suggested that he's dealing with some sort of basket case of players <laughs> with, with you know huge issues in terms of the whole identity of. England and where they're travelling and, and that sort of stuff. Is that sort of him setting himself up to be the man that can deal with these challenges? Or do you think that there is some substance to what he's saying around maybe the psychology of the team and the fact that what they've gone through in the last six months has impacted the players 
in a way when they get together and, and play for England as such? Yeah, I think it's just brutal honesty, to be honest, that these players, they actually, they are psychologically damaged in some way. And it's going to take something, you know, it's going to take a whole strategy to make sure that as a country, England get to a tournament and have the belief and know-how and getting further than pretty much the first hurdle. Um, so I think it's just brutal honesty and maybe a touch of um, realism as well. You know, is he meant to come in and make us beat the big teams straight away? Uh, uh, Spain, are, Spain are coming to Wembley next, next uh, month. I don't think England are going to play them off the pitch. Um, so I think he's kind of setting himself up a bit for a fall because he knows that it's not that good in terms of what we've got on our hands um, in England in terms of talent. Mike, uh, Vinny again. Look, the Rooney situation. I know he's got a you know a five five um, book deal for his autobiography, and I feel that at the moment things are are, are on the descent, are on the wane. Uh, I don't, pardon the pun. Uh, Oh, we've got to be able to reinvent him because, you know, Giggs is saying that uh, he, he can't sort himself out in the new position. He seems to have lost his place in the England team. The boys' mojo is certainly taken a hit. Yeah, I, look, I think he might have to uh, he might have to go away somewhere and, and reinvent himself in the same way that Beckham did at the back end of his career. I think that there is still a player with a football brain there it's just he can't do the things that he could do 10 years ago, which, which happens um, to footballers. I don't think he's going to be the explosive striker for England or for Man U. So I think he's got to work on his game as a, as a midfielder and maybe take that somewhere else uh, where he can play regularly and be, be the man again um, because this season... Uh, he's been on the bench more than on the on the pitch, so, and that's that's not where Wayne Rooney needs to be. Having said in interviews with him, do you feel that he's he he's he wants it? Um, I do feel that he's extremely passionate about playing for England. I, I do think that is genuine. Um, I can't say that. I, I think that a move might might do him good because I, I'm, you know he nearly left Man U before. I know he's Mr. Manu, but I could see him play somewhere else. Um, but he, I, I think he's also, in terms of speaking to him, I think he's also a real asset. At being, the maturity he shows as a captain, I think, is really underestimated by us. Um, a captain that, that leads by example even when he's not playing. Mike, three quick tips back to the real stuff this weekend. Premier League, we've got some interesting games. I suppose a couple of, couple of words on each. Chelsea, Leicester, Man City, Everton, and Liverpool, Man United. <laughs> well, I'm going to Man City v Everton. I think that's the biggest one on Saturday. And we're all seeing whether, whether Pep's going to keep wobbling like he did last two games. Um, Chelsea, Leicester is, is a weird one. You, you, you're thinking these two, they've had... They're not, this isn't the kind of title decider that people might have thought it was at the start of the season. Um, and everybody's looking forward to Monday. I think it's, that's, it's a great, a fantastic fixture. Um, Klopp, now, I think we're all... I went to the Swansea game, we're saying our Liverpool title contenders. 
I think a Monday night game against Man United will see whether they are or not. Hey, Mike, we can't wait for a fantastic weekend of uh, English Premier League. Hey, have a safe flight back from uh, Slovenia. Uh, it's or... not near the stands, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's a Baltic country. <laughs> okay, one no of the worries, Baltic. that's fine. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, hey, thanks for your time and uh, travel safely. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. There's Mike McGrath from the UK and the Sun in the UK as well. Let's take a break and come back with a bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Not much time to go before we head home. Yes, just clarify, I do know where Slovenia is. Just oh. clarifying, hey, that was hey, a character. How, you, how did they give you a passport, Warren? I don't understand how you get you get no, out of this country. Look, for those people who <laughs> might know and might know, might know me in my other role, I do know geography sort of okay. Okay. Anyway, let's let's move on to the derby, Tips. Melbourne victory, Melbourne <sighs> City, Warren. There'll be three goals in it. Yep. It'll be 2-1 Melbourne City. No, it's going to be the other way. Victory will win. We need to win. We want to win. So it's we up to want. me, really, to be your victory, of course. Bessie Barisha is hungry. Bessie. I bet you, you, I bet you, you go for Melbourne victory. It's a two-all draw for oh. me. Oh. Oh. That's Thanks it for this dinner. week's show. All Night Appetite coming up with Scotty Cooney. So remember, Vinny. Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we're, we're there. there. Wherever you rumba, samba and rabamba, we're, we're there. there. <laughs> wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls their feet, we're, we're there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we're, we're there. there. We are the 40 Diego's. Hey!